check, my check. We on? My check. I'm on? All right, all right, all right. And if not, I can speak. Okay, I hear myself. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yo, um, yesterday. It's on the phone. It's on, it's on, right? Y'all hear me? All right. Get up off me, bro. Goodness. This ain't amateur night, dog. You know what I'm talking about? No, that's my man. That's my man. Um, yo, anybody enjoyed yesterday? Like yesterday was just like a nice day, right? It was a real nice day. And then to wake up today to this is something else. But le- let me say this, though. God is worthy. Is he not? Like our God is a good God. You know, I mean, in spite of what the weather looks like, he is worthy to be praised. Amen. And it's good to be amongst a bunch of believers in Christ that knows he's worthy regardless of what the weather looks like. If you would, please uh, join me for a moment in a moment of prayer before Gregory shows up. Father God, um, we come before you this morning. I come before you this morning. Um, I thank you for this, this honor, this privilege to speak um, what your word says, what you, what you have in your word for us, Father God. And I realize that um, the topic in which I speak on is not a light topic. Um, it can be simple, but yet it can be very complex, Father God. It can. Um, so right now, I just pray that I decrease and that you increase, Father God. Help each one of us to take what we need from this message, Father God. Apply it to our lives, Lord, and um, that, that we might work, walk, walk worthy of the calling that you have placed on each one of our lives and that we might provide an answer um, for the wise of how we live our life. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So it's good to be with you guys uh, this morning. And um, here at Tri-Cities, if you're, if you're visiting this morning, we've been on this series discussing um, the whys behind some of the major things we do um, in church. Not just here at Tri-Cities, but um, if you've been in a, in a church uh, in your life, then you know like some of the things that we do, they're, they're like the norm for church, things like communion, things like uh, offering, things like uh, somebody getting up preaching the word of God, um, choir, people singing worship to God. And so oftentimes what happens is it, we forget the why sometimes behi- behind what we do. And then when we have new people come to the faith or someone that's exposed to what we do, how we do, they're left with a lot of questions. And some people, they're not bold enough to ask those questions. They rather, some, some people just kind of conform to um, their surroundings. And it's not necessarily something bad to conform to something that's good, but in the day and age that we live, uh, there are a lot of people who ask at why. Well, then why do you do that? Why do you believe that? So um, I thank God to be under some leadership here, um, the guidance of Pastor Wesley, Pastor Jamie, um, and just just uh, being obedient to God and discussing some of the, the basics of our faith this morning. Amen? So um, I have the opportunity and the privilege to discuss with you the why behind baptism. Why do we baptize? Um, but before we get into that, I want to ask you a question. I want you to ask yourself, why, what's your why? That's been a big discussion I'm going on kind of behind the scenes with leadership here, um, some studies that's going on, and even in the pulpit in the morning. What's your why? Why are you here at Tri-Cities? 
Why are you part of the body of Christ? If you don't belong to the Tri-Cities and you go to a church or you attend a church on a regular basis, what's your why? Now, I want you to, 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 to grab that, hold on to it for a moment, and just, just put it in your pocket for a second. Um, I realize, like, a lot of you don't know me. You haven't had a chance to chop it up with me. So I wanted to take a moment and share a little bit of my why. And it, it dawned on me earlier this week. I was sitting with Pastor Wesley, and he was like, um, somebody approached me. and was like, why is Greg here? It's like, <laughs> you know, did, did God tell him to plant a church, or does he just feel like this is the area? You know, and um, I have to be honest with you guys, right? God has used a lot of events a lot of events to help shape, to help move, and to help bring about me standing in front of you um, this morning. So I wanted to share just a little bit of that. Just, this is just a small inkling of what he's done, some of the events that he's done. So initially, and I'm not going to get on this, but God blessed us with a property here in Georgia, right? But I looked, we looked at this property, my wife and I, we looked at this property as though it was an investment property. Um, I felt called to go to seminary. And um, so I, I felt led, to, I, I, I believe and I know that God called me to take a step of faith. And that led to me leaving my, my job of 14 years. Um, and I pulled out my retirement and I was like, you know what? I need to find something, an investment so that I don't blow all of this money. So at the time, um, my father, he was looking at real estate. And lo and behold, I was able to purchase a property here in Georgia. And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. But, um, and even before that, Church planning was never on my radar. I merely purchased, we merely purchased the property because we thought it was a good investment. So um, fast forward a couple years later, um, my wife and I, we're starting, like I'm in seminary now and God is starting to shape my heart for, for church planning. And um, we started to discuss this, like where? Okay, God's calling you to plant a church, but where? Where is he calling you? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure, but, you know, I'm like, basic, basic common sense would say Georgia, maybe we, we have a home in Georgia. You're talking about planting a church. That's, we alleviate part of, our, uh, uh, of the budget that we need. So, but I'm like, that can't be my determining factor, you know. And so um, I'm like, I can't take that road just because I feel like that's the wisest road to take. So me and my wife, we started praying, and we started visiting Georgia. And, man, my wife, she fell out of love with Georgia quick. You know, and it kind of left me up in the air. I don't mean to put you on blast, baby. I didn't, I didn't discuss that with you, but she fell out just being transparent with y'all, right? So we're, like, we're having these discussions, and my wife, she holds me accountable. She's like, did God tell you Georgia? <laughs> I mean, don't give me no wishy-washy answer you feel like. I mean, because we're talking about uprooting our family, you know, and I'm sitting there like, baby, I'm, I'm like, I, I believe he's drawing us to Georgia, he hasn't verbally said it, but I believe. And so on one of our visits, I'm sitting out on the porch of the home, and I'm praying to God, and I'm just asking, like, God, I need a sign. I need you to show me something. I'm like, I need an audible, like, in some, some instructions because I'm kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> and so my wife, uh, I'm sitting there on the porch, and lo and behold, this, this ant comes crawling in front of me. And this, this ant take, yeah, that's it right there. Can you all see that? And I wanted to be real with y'all, right? You see that it says August 1st, 2015. So I'm sitting there, right? And this ant catches my attention. And this ant, he comes up to the edge of, uh, of the walkway. And it's a step. And the ant looks. 
and the ant jumps. I'm like, what? I'm like, I can't. That ant just jumped. You feel me? I'm blown back. And the ant keeps walking, and he comes to another step. And the ant looks down again. I'm like, that ant is not going to jump again. I'm like, ant backs up, walks up again, and leaps down. And at that moment, I just felt like, oh, my God, that ant just jumped. And I got up, right, because I felt like God was showing me something. I got up. I took a picture of this ant, right? And I'm like, and then God just just places in my spirit. He's like, that's how some people approach their faith. Some people jump. Other people look for the safe route down. And I was like, God, I want to jump. I want to jump. I want to I want to experience you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. You know, and so and I'm like, but I'm like Listen, my wife she ain't on board with this move, so I'm like if uh you got to work that out with her. I'm like this cuz this this church planning thing, it presents a whole new element, a whole a whole bunch of new challenges and I'm like you got to work that out with her. So lo and behold, my wife she comes home. And I'm, I'm in, I, I come off the steps, I see her pull up, and I go in, and she goes, you know, I feel like God is just saying Georgia is it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I believe God is really confirming, like, it's Georgia. I'm like, let me tell you about this ant that I just. <laughs> so I, I said all that to, to share with you a part of my why. I'm not just here because I feel like I have the capacity the ability, the know-how. Um, to be honest with you, I'm here because I'm being obedient to the call of God on my life. And there are a lot of questions that I don't have answers for, but I'm trusting God for those questions. So that being said, right, we're going to jump into the why of baptism. And the only thing that I would ask for you to do would um, be keep an open mind initially, because sometimes we can come to a subject of baptism And we have all these preconceived notions and traditions that we hold on to. um, And they may not necessarily always be in the right area. So this morning, what I want to do is present to you the truth of the word, not not Gregory's truth, not what I believe are my feelings. I want to present the truth to you as it's presented to us in the word of God. And not only that, I want to also make uh, make make this this uh, this statement that. There are a lot of scripture you can pull from, from. There are a, a, lot of, a lot of examples you can look. By no means that I have the ability to squeeze all of that context, all of that scripture into this portion of service. We'll be here till 6 o'clock this evening, and I don't think anybody really wants to be here at 6 o'clock this evening. If you do, let me know. We can maybe work some things out, but I don't think anybody's going to be here. <laughs> but first of all, I want to dispel a, a few myths about baptism and like I said hold on to 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 your to where you are don't shut down on me just hold on to where you are we're going to discuss this for a moment we're going to discuss this but three myths about baptisms and the first myth I want to want to talk about is baptism does not save that's hard for some of us and I and I and I, and I understand by no means am I saying baptism is not important you follow me but what I'm presenting and, and what the Bible has laid out that is, is that baptism in and of itself does not save us. There's nothing special in the water. You follow me? The next step I want to, I wanna, the next myth I want to dispo- uh, talk about is baptism does not enhance our spirituality. 
There are some examples where, you know, just like when Jesus was baptized and, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, you know, but what I'm saying to you is on the normal basis, you don't wake up and all of a sudden, like after you're baptized and you're like, you're seeing demons and all of a sudden it's this supernatural power that you have. So baptism does not enhance our spirituality. The third thing I want to, to, to talk about in the myth is that uh, sprinkling a person with water is a form of baptism. I'm sorry, but that's just not true. Sprinkling a person is not a form of baptism. Um, the word baptism in, in and of itself, right, it, um, it draws its meaning off a Greek word called baptizo. Baptizo, which means to submerge, to dip fully into. So when we start talking about when we start talking about baptism, it's important that we realize, like, God is saying, like, Jesus commanded us, like, to baptize, to submerge one another in water. Um, and <clears throat> just, just recounting, right, like I said, there are many scriptures that reinforce some of the things that I'm saying. But Ephesians 2.8 says, God saves you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God, right? It's the gift of God. God. And then I want to I read Acts 10, 44 through 48. And this is not going to be up on the screen, but um, it reads, while Peter was still speaking these words from the Holy Spirit, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard his message. All that, all the circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were amazed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Had the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking, speaking in times exalting God. Then Peter said, and, and what it, and really, it, that's, that's, that's one translation. Like if you read like the King James or the NLT, it'll say they heard them speaking in tongues. There was clear evidence that these believers, these Gentiles had experienced the Holy Spirit, experienced the saving grace of God and that now the Holy Spirit was poured out on them and they were speaking in tongues. And then, it, then Peter says, can anyone hold the water from baptism from these people? They have received the Holy Spirit just, of, just as we have. So he ordered they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? So here it is. The Holy Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles before they were baptized. That's just one example. Remember, there are numerous examples. Now, what I want to do, so why do we baptize? It's simple. The question is, the, the answer is simple, right? Because Jesus says it in Matthew 28, um, verse 16 through 20. He says, then the 11 disciples, after Jesus was uh, crucified and buried, he said, then the 11 disciples um, left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of time. End, end of age in this case. Okay. Um, so, we baptize, and this is hashtag the most important reason we baptize. We baptize out of obedience because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. 
There's another example I want to just just emphasize the importance of baptism because some of us can walk away and just be like, oh, okay, all right, I see that. But, like, check this out. Acts 16, verse 30 through 31, um, 33 says, um, we, have, we have here this jailer that's overwatching Paul and Silas, right? And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Now, check this out. They had been beat earlier that day. You have to understand, they, they weren't just like in tip-top shape or, or just had been thrown in the prison. They were beat earlier that day because of their faith. And then they were thrown in prison because they, they refused to stop speaking about Jesus Christ. Right? And then it's this jailer. Um, after the, the, the doors are bust open because Paul and Silas, after being beat, are sitting, worshiping God in the jail. And this jailer comes. He gets ready to kill himself because he believes he's failed in his duty. And here it is, these men of God still worshiping God. And he's like, what is, why are you still here? You know, why, why are you still here? Why are, why are you singing praises to God? And then they share the gospel with him because this man owes him. There, he owes them his life. And he's like, what must I do to be saved? And this is like 12-something at night, 2 o'clock maybe in the morning. He's having this discussion, and Peter and Silas go, repent and be baptized, you and your whole household. And he says, they, he washed their wounds. And early in the wee hours of the morning, it didn't say they went back to sleep. It says that they were immediately baptized. So we can't get around this this command, and we can't get around this urgency that's, that's constantly repeated, this repetition that we find in the Bible that when somebody accepts Christ, they're baptized. That's just the word. That's the word. So if baptism isn't a salvation issue, um, or, or should I say baptism, so baptism isn't a salvation issue as much as it is a heart issue. That's what I need you to take away from that. Baptism isn't a salvation issue as much as it is a heart issue. So, bap- so if, if baptism, us are, are, not being, uh, are not being baptized, shows us a heart issue, then we have, to, we have to take two things away from that. We have to say, like, yo, then baptism may not be a salvation issue, but it's a heart issue, and a heart issue can be a salvation issue. That's what it boils down to. Salvation isn't a salvation issue. It's a heart issue. But a heart issue can be a salvation issue because sometimes we might feel like, and, and I'm, let me say this. I've been baptized twice, right? I, I was baptized younger as a child. But, the, and, and that's, that's good. That's great. I, I, won't, I wouldn't withhold that from any child who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But as I got older, there was a new there were there was a newfound appreciation for what God had done in my life. Not only that, but by that time I had been trashed. God, I mean, I had to turn my back on God because, you know, sometimes we do things as children and then we grow up and we're influenced by the world and we think we know better than our parents or whatever the case may be. We rebel. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I'm just telling you about me. Right. And I found myself, I rededicated my life to God. And initially, after I rededicated my life to God, I was like, yo, I've already been baptized. 
so it's cool. Like, I mean, I mean, God knows that God's been watching over me, you know, but over time, God was God started convicting me. And I just felt like it was an urgency that I needed to be baptized. And so I happened. It's funny because the church I come from here is called Crossover Church. And we happen to be visiting Crossover Church one Easter Sunday. And after Easter, they decide that they do a spontaneous baptism. You know what I mean? It's just, they, just, they just open the floor. They're like, if you feel like God has called you, to, if you feel like you've accepted Christ or you want to rededicate your life to God, he's like, we want, we want to encourage you to be baptized. I looked at my wife, and I was like, yo, I'm getting, I'm getting baptized again. So I don't know where you're at in your walk of life, but what I'm saying is this. If you've been baptized as a child and you have no conviction of the Holy Spirit to be rebaptized again, that's fine because Jesus, God has a way of covering us with his grace. At the same time, at the same time, I would not encourage you to be stubborn with the Holy Spirit. If you feel like the Holy and you feel that the Holy Spirit has been drawing you to be rebaptized, to rededicate your life to God, then do that. Re- rededicate your life to God and be baptized. Um, second, the second thing, and this is the big thing I want to talk to you about, what baptism represents, because baptism is heavy in symbolism and imagery, you know, what it represents. So what I need from you guys to do is I want everybody to close their eyes for a second. Close your eyes. And I, wanna, I want you to imagine that you are hungry. Imagine that you're hungry. You've been, in fact, you, you're, you, you're getting ready for a date, and you're going to your favorite restaurant. You know what I mean? You're going to your favorite restaurant, and you just can't wrap, you can't wait to wrap your lips around your favorite dish of that restaurant. Now, I want you to open your eyes. That's the plate they bring out to you. I mean, I mean, I know some of us are holier than thou, and it will, will excuse me, um, but this can't be right. You know what I mean? Others of us, at this point, we're, bu- we're bucking because we've, al- we've already waited for our food. We've already waited to be seated at the table, and this is what you want to bring me, some bones and a fork and a dirty plate. So I, I, I just want to, some of us, right, like baptism is, one of the key things behind baptism is it symbolizes us being clean, us being clean. There's three significant things that baptism symbolizes. So these are the three points. Death of the old man, birth of a new man, the resurrection, and the shift in function, the MO in which we operate, the mode of operation. It symbolizes the death of the old man, the birth of the new man, and the shift of that function. So what does the death of the old man look like? Romans uh, 6, 2 through 3 says, We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in, the, in it any longer? Or did you not know that all of us who were baptized in Jesus Christ was, were baptized into his death? We therefore were buried with him through baptism into, his, into death. For we know that our old selves were crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer, uh, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. What does that look like in our lives, though? That's what I want to highlight real quickly. What does that look like, man, to be born, to, to die to sin? To die to sin, it looks like a bad relationship. You ever, anybody here ever been in a bad relationship? Like, like you broke up with somebody and you just can't get rid of them? Or you know somebody who's been in a bad relationship? And, and they call you up asking for solutions. And you're like, just, girl, just leave him alone. 
he is bad news. Or, dude, just leave her alone. When, you, when, when we die to sin, it's like breaking up in a, a, a bad relationship. Because when you're like, when you break up with somebody and that somebody ain't ready to break up with you, don't they call you? You know, you, you, like you're trying to cut off ties and they sh- or they show up in the most, un- you know, like you might be shopping in the store and they might pop up like, what's up? How you doing? You know, talk about fancy meeting you here. <laughs> Breaking up with sin is like, it's, it's just like that. I mean. Jesus, it's like breaking up with a bad ex. So we have that type of relationship, and then we, we have some people who look at that relationship as like, it's like a pet. Like, Christ did not die to domesticate our sin. You feel me? He did not die so that we could still leave sin, like, like, like little elements of sin around our home. So one of the things that I struggle with, I'm going to be transparent with you guys, and some of, some of us in the building might, might have, have struggled with this, but pornography, for example. You know, like a lot of Christians, it's, and it's, this is a big one. A lot of Christians pr- watch pornography. They're hooked on pornography. And when we get saved, we convince ourselves or whatnot that there's nothing wrong with that because we're not physically doing it. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches us that if we've taken a woman or a man and undressed them with our eyes, then we've committed spiritual adultery. You follow me? That's not what Pastor Greg says. That's what the word of God says. So don't don't play with your sin like it's still cool. Find somebody that you can ho- that can hold you accountable and 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 encourage you in that walk in that battle against that. A new birth. The next point is new birth is resurrection. Romans 6 4 says, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live new lives. New lives. The interesting thing about this text is that Paul isn't writing to new believers. He's writing to people who have already been baptized in the faith. He's reminding them, like, listen, we were baptized with Christ. We we died with Christ. We were raised with Christ. We have a new life in Christ. So three things happen here in this resurrection. They're made new. They're given new identities. And then they have this new function, this new function. What's this new function? Well, the word of God says in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but ye are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. This shift of function, it's this shift of function that takes place. God takes that which is unholy, makes it holy, takes that which has no function, gives it a function. He takes us who were no priest, and then calls us holy priests, a holy nation set apart unto him. So it's this, we have this calling, this new mantle over us, according to 1 Peter 2.9, of we're all priests. God calls us all priests. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a priest. No, no, real talk, like you got to say that with some excitement, man. You're a priest. You're a priest. We need to, when we walk into our workplace, we need to walk into our workplace understanding we're walking into our workplace with some authority. We're a priest. When we walk into, I mean, when we're walking through our neighborhood, we need to walk with some authority like I'm a priest. I'm not just some passerby. I'm not just getting by. I'm not just some member of a church. God has said I am a holy priest. And being a holy priest, I have some authority in Christ. There's a lot of people living lives with no authority. 
tied to it. Secondly, Leviticus 16, 3 through 4, and this is kind of like, they don't call it baptism, but this is the first imagery of baptism-like, and it just ties back into that fact that we are priests, and it kind of ties back into the symbolism of us being baptized. Before In the Old Testament, before the priest put on the robes, they had to be cleansed, and after they were cleansed, they were able to put on the robe. So it symbol, uh, symbolizes us being cleansed, cleansed, and I already touched on that a little bit, so I won't dwell there, but third thing is that uh, and it's Galatians 3 27 it says garments we have these new garments it says and all of us who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes like putting on new clothes so it'll be one thing right like like everybody like I don't see anybody in here in shorts or anything but I think like my fit today is like a skater fit I used to ride skateboards back in the day. I don't anymore. You know, this is more like like just like a fashion statement for me. I'm like, man, them vans they they clean, and you know, I found the I found the uh, corduroys on the clearance rack. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but if somebody would have come up to me and be like, yo, let's go play tag football, I'd be like, bruh, do I look like I'm dressed for tag for for flag football or tackle football? At that, you know what I mean? We have to realize, like, as priests of God, we have put on Christ as like we've put on new clothes and because we put on these new clothes we just can't carry ourselves just anyway we just can't do anything you follow me we just can't function or any kind of way we've put on Christ do you see these these do you see this fit and they talking about this jacket do you see this Christ on me baby you know what I mean do you see the authority that I'm wa- walking in you know what I mean I, so we've put on we put on Christ. We, we're priests. We've been cleansed. We're put on these new garments called Christ. And then, and then Romans 13, uh, 11 through 12 says, the occasion. Don't you recognize the occasion? Don't you recognize the occasion? Why you, don't you recognize why you've gotten so dressed up, why you've taken a bath and you put on these new garments? Don't you realize it? Don't you recognize the occasion? And it says, and don't you understand the occasion? The hour has come for us to wake up from your slumber for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day has dawned near. So let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently and in daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, meaning uh, partying, not in uh, dissension or jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves. Here it is again. Clothe yourselves with Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of your flesh. I love the imagery Paul uses there. He says, wake up. Wake up. Wake up from your slumber. He says, the night is almost over and daytime draws near. He says, lay aside your dark deeds, the things that you used to do that don't line up with what your faith says. Lay that stuff aside. Then he goes, stop the wild partying, stop the drunkenness, stop the, that's that's to make him the provision for the for the flesh. That's the like keeping the sin around because it's, we're trying to domesticate it. Oh, it's all right to do a little bit of this and dabble in a little bit of that. He's saying, lay aside the wild party and the drunkenness, the sexual promiscuity, the immoral, immoral living and the quarreling and the jealousy. Instead, he says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I've been tasked with discussing the why of baptism and what's the big why? Why do we baptize here at Tri-Cities? Why does the church in general baptize? And it's because Jesus commanded it. 
right? And on top of Jesus commanding it, the Bible makes reference to these baptism, uh, these baptisms taking place repeatedly after someone accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they just, they, they did it with urgency. They did it with urgency. So if you're here this morning and you've yet to accept or you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to take that next step, we want, I, we want to invite you to, 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 to come see us at the next step table in the back after service because we want to we assist you in taking that step of obedience and being baptized. But for the rest of us who have been baptized, what does that, what does that mean for us then? It's, there's a lot of message right there and that symbolism for us. Now what I want you to do is take back out your why that I asked you to hold on to earlier. What's your why for being here? Or what's your why for being a part of the body of Christ? Because ultimately, baptism was the way that God saw fit for us to enter into his service. It's part of the orientation. You don't just go into a job and just just start doing whatever you want to do, do you? Most of the time when you go, if, if you're hired on, if you're hired on, they tell you come in for orientation. So we can tell you what that what your job looks like. I understand that you might think you know what your job looks like, and I could care less that you work for McDonald's, Checkers, right? Look, we Burger King. <laughs> we, we do Whoppers the right way. You follow me? Jesus is saying, like, listen, I understand you think you got it all together, but baptism is my way. It's the right way. And why do I baptize you? Because not just to sit on the bench. I baptize you because you're entering into my service. And that service is threefold. We're challenged to service. We're challenged to be servants with our families. We're challenged to be service-oriented within our church. And then we're challenged to be service-oriented within our community. Those are the three checkers. Those are the three checks. We're not only just called to, to be baptized and go to Tri-Cities because, you know, I feel love there and I get the word there and, like, it's making an impactful, it's making an impactful difference in my life. No, God is equipping you to serve. And, and let, me, let me give you another, another let, me, let, let me share, should I say, another reason, another vetted interest why you should serve. It's because oftentimes God is gift. We, a lot of us have gifts that we don't even know of. And they won't be stirred up until we position ourselves in a place to where we allow God to stir us up in service. And, and, I'll, just, and I'll leave you with this last example. Um, I'm not, <clears throat> I wasn't raised in like a prophetic ministry of, of sorts. Um, my background is missionary Baptist. That's what I was raised up under majority of my life. So when I was always skeptical of people coming to me and, you know, with these prophetic things like God told me this and I see this and that. And um, so in seminary, we, uh, I went to this school called SUM and uh, School of Urban Missions. And yearly we go on this trip to New Orleans. And before we go on this trip to New Orleans, uh, the dean, he, he challenges us. He says, I want everybody to fast, a corporate fast, um, just to prepare ourselves for what's going on. And 
you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, cool, I understand, you know, I'm cool with that. But let me tell you something. God used me in a way that I would never imagine he would have. He stirred up something in me. And what he stirred up was, it was this couple standing on a wall. And it wasn't like God had told me anything as much as I could just see their situation. I could just see their situation. It was just, it was just laid out before me. It was this couple, and um, the guy, he was sitting there with a beer in his hand, and um, the girl was standing next to him. And God was like tugging on my heart. He was like, you need to go over there and talk to them. And I'm like, go over there and talk to them for what? Dude, look swole. You know, I'm like, that, that dude, that, that's a bad dude, you know. And so, and uh, <coughs> guys just like, be obedient. So I walk over, and I introduce myself, and I introduce my partner, and I'm like, listen, my name is Gregory Harris. I'm part of a school called Urban Missions. We're out here evangelizing, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. And as I started singing that, God just started, says, look at them. Says they're together, but they aren't together. And I looked at them and I said, "Listen, you guys mind if I share some stuff with you?" They're like, "No, go ahead." I'm like, "You're together, but you're not together." And God just showed a like it, I can't explain how it was. Y'all, God just showed a gap to me, and I was just like, "You're," I said, "You're here together. Y'all, you guys plan to be here together, but and you thought that this would this this trip would somehow make your life." better make your relationship with better and i'm like you guys haven't gotten along since you got to new orleans and i said you're standing here next to him i'm like but you're literally like two blocks away from him i said y'all standing here physically close but your hearts are far from each other and i go and i looked at dude and i was just like listen i'm like you haven't let your wife into your heart just plain and simple. I could just see, I could just see that. And it wasn't that God had told me to say it. I could just see he had not let God, uh, let his wife into his heart. And I looked at, and when I said that, she just broke down in, in tears. And I'm like, you've let other family members, I let, you've let your, your boys into your heart. I'm like, but you haven't let your wife into your heart. And what I hear God saying is, let your wife into your heart and your marriage will blossom. Long story short. God allowed me to pour into that couple, a couple that I had not known. And I'm not saying, but that's a gift that I never would have tapped into if I, haven't, if I hadn't positioned myself for service. So I don't know. Some of you might be sitting there today and like, I don't, have, I don't have a lot of gifts. Let me ask you, how much are you serving? Like the last three weeks, we've had members of the congregation get up here, and they, they've challenged us like, man, we need help. You know, you just, th- this building just doesn't stay clean on its own. So, you don't start off, when I gave my life to Christ, I started off emptying the trash. I didn't know where to plug in at. I just started, I'm like, what y'all need help doing? If you, if you want to get plugged into the church, if you want to start serving, show up. Talk to this man over here. Talk to Pastor, Pastor Wesley. I guarantee you they'll get you plugged in. But do that not just for your good, but for the body's good for the body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning with this heavy topic of, of baptism, Lord God, and we thank you for the grace that you've given us all to be here this morning and protect of your word, Lord. And not only that, but Father, we come to you this morning 
understanding that we mess up. That sometimes we fall, Lord, and even in spite of us falling, you are there to help us back up. And you just don't help us back up for no reason. But you help us back up, Father God, so that we can help carry out the mission of Christ as he commanded his disciples in Matthew 28. Where he said, all authority is given unto me and in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, baptizing in the name of the Son, of the Father, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of time. Father God, thank you for being with us. Shape us. Shape our hearts. If there's a heart issues, if there, if there are heart issues going on as it pertains to our salvation, Father God, point it out to us. Show us that we might put aside the deeds of darkness, our old ways, the old man, and awake to new life. Not because we're good enough, but because you're good enough and because of your love. And we shall forever be careful to give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.